If you're tired of outrageously expensive cell phone bills, come on over to Mint Mobile. Talk, text, and data plans start at just $15 a month. There are no contracts. Sign up and Mint will send you a SIM card. Just insert it into your phone. You can even keep your old number. Get details at krobcollection.com and start saving today with Mint Mobile. WGAR now presents Sunday Digest, a program featuring interesting conversation with people making a difference in Northeast Ohio and around the nation with award-winning broadcaster Ken Robinson. And now here's Ken and Sunday Digest on WGAR. And good morning to you. Welcome to Sunday Digest. Happy Father's Day. On today's show, we're going to examine two of the challenges many dads face these days. How do men deal with the loss of a father? Cleveland native Neil Chethick has done research and his findings will surprise you. But first, dads in divorce. How do fathers deal with a marital breakup? On the line from New York is Serge Pringle, author of Still a Dad. He says divorced fathers often don't get a fair shake from the legal system. Thanks for joining us, Serge. First of all, how did you come to write Still a Dad? I wrote this book partly as a result of my own personal experience of divorce 10 years ago. Now, we're always told that divorce is uh, hard for women and children, but how difficult is divorce for men? I think difficult is, uh, divorce is difficult for everybody. It's, uh, it's you know, one of the most traumatic things that happen to people short of death, dismemberment, you know, one of these, uh, uh, you know, but it ranks really up there. Uh, it's really very difficult, you know, for men in the sense that, uh, you know, not only is it, you know, difficult by itself, but there is a widespread perception that it's not that hard for men. You know, that, you know, in fact, there's a feeling that what's, what are they really losing? Uh, you know, they, they, they see their kids in, a, in nice moments. They, they, they don't have to deal with the day-to-day responsibility of being a parent. What are they complaining about? And the hard thing is actually that, uh, you know, men, fathers, you know, we are also uh, feeling, we also have emotions, we also love our kids, we, and, uh, and we don't, you know, the, we don't have the, uh, the recognition in society for this as being important to us, uh, you know, that, that it could be really important to be involved in the day-to-day life of our children. So, um, you know, what happens, for instance, when a mother loses day-to-day contact with her children, she knows that it's hard and she finds a receptive audience around there. When it happens to a father, you know, he feels a little strange feeling that it's not something that's totally, uh, um, you know, acceptable. And people kind of look at it with skepticism and, in fact, say, what, what's happening? Are you, are you, you know, trying to avoid paying child support? Are you, you know, what's, what's the matter? They're suspicious. Well, usually they always assume that the divorce is the man's fault anyway, don't they? In many cases, yes, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, there's also, of course, divorce fathers who say in, in the statistics that point out that the vast majority of divorces are initiated by women, but, you know, that's, all, again, a way of, uh, you know, pointing finger, fingers at each other's place. And that's the hard thing that happens in divorce is the, uh, you know, the finger pointing. So what happens is, as a result of the divorce, the father, in, in the vast, vast majority of cases, you know, in, in at least uh, 70% of cases, is, is no longer the custodial parent. 
finds himself living outside what used to be the family home. Uh, and in a way, it's like the family unit is maintained. The father is on the outside. Uh, the children see the father as a, as a visitor, as some kind of a, an uncle in a way, instead of the, the live-in father he used to be. And the father feels cast out and rejected in a way that's really hard to, to deal with. Often we hear that divorce is an economic hardship for women, but uh, frequently it's an economic hardship for men too, isn't it? Well, yes, and I think, you know, the two are totally true. It's not one or the other. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know the, the point is, in a divorce, the resources that used to feed one family uh, are now stretched to feed two, and that makes it very hard. You know, it's understandable that, you know, the mother who has to say keeps the same home and has to to maintain uh, you know the the, fa- the the family has less money to go around when the the couple were married so understandably she feels stretched and she feels she has less money but what happens to the uh, the father is that he has to not only you know help support the family without him but he also has to maintain a new house you know a new apartment someplace and make it welcoming enough for his kids to feel there's a home and he finds despair because there's no way he can do that uh, after, you know, giving a sizable part of his salary to support the other household. And, uh, you know, there's a despair of saying, you know, how can he possibly make ends meet? How can he possibly establish a welcoming home for his family? And there's no recognition of that. You know, there's always that the feeling that he's not paying enough. I'm Ken Robinson. You're listening to Sunday Digest on WGAR. We're talking to Serge Pringle. He's author of Still a Dad, a book about how fathers deal with divorce. Serge, what about the whole concept of the deadbeat dad? You know, there are deadbeat dads the same way as, you know, that you can say there are, you know, there are mothers who are, uh, you know, mothers who kill their children and things like that. There's freaks everywhere. The point is, you know, it's if you focus on the freaks, you don't focus on the vast majority of people who are decent and healthy and loving. Uh, I think it's very natural and uh, it's it's built in our genes to, uh, you know, whether we're mothers or fathers, to love our children. And, uh, you know, there's a few people who don't, and, and, and if you focus on them, you suddenly, uh, you know, have an image. It's a, a little bit the same thing as if every time you see somebody who's an Italian-American, you start having the suspicion that maybe, you know, he's part of the mafia or his his father was. Now, as a dad who's gone through the divorce process, did you find that the uh, that the whole process of divorce, the legal process, is it stacked against fathers? Uh, the answer, if I had to have one, is yes. And, you know, I have to immediately qualify it and say, you know, the laws are not against fathers. There's no law in, in America that says, uh, you know, kick fathers out of the house. Uh, to the contrary, the, the laws are gender neutral. What happens is when you see the results, you see that only in 9% of cases do fathers get custody in, uh, you know, 9% of divorces, and only in 21% of divorces is there sh- shared parenting, joint custody. And the overwhelming majority of divorces, the mother gets custody. So when you see this result, you have to say that there is an imbalance in the system and that, you know, there is a fight which actually discourages many fathers, you know, when it comes time to, to, the, to the divorce to, to, to even bother. You know, it feels very discouraging. And people who do fight feel that they've been taken for a ride and they've spent thousands of dollars to get something that was in a way foreordained that they would not get custody and would not share custody. 
what happens is that, you know, the in divorce, usually what the courts do is try to look for one parent and not both. And there's a fight in a way to determine whether the father or the mother should be the custodial parent. And the fallacy of that is to forget that kids need both parents and that you could try and find a way, as some legislations do, to encourage the, the father and the mother to remain both involved and to, uh, to share parenting. Now, we're often led to believe that most men don't want custody. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that's one of the, uh, the hard stereotypes. You know, there's also stereotypes that say, uh, you know, uh, women are this and women are that. And, you know, when we live by stereotypes, we, uh, we miss the reality of, um, you know, why, for instance, are there so many incredible amounts of stories about fathers who, when they are married, are really involved parents? Uh, you know, you start to see it, actually. It's permeating in the culture, in TV shows, in movies, and uh, because it's really part of our, you know, way of life. And, this, you know, this past few generations, it's been increasing. So you imagine that all these people who, when they're married, are loving fathers and love to be involved, suddenly the day they divorce say, no, I no longer want to be a father, I don't care about my kids. That's absurd. Now, what's your advice to maybe a dad who's getting ready to go through the divorce process? I would, I would say, you know, the, that, you know, the, the, the usual advice to a father who's, who's and anybody who's going through a divorce process is find a lawyer, you know, fight it out. And uh, my advice would be, of course, you need to have, you know, legal protection in that sense. But, you know, the most important to me is actually find support, find help. Uh, to deal with what's happening inside you, because what can really happen with the unfortunate part of the divorce system is uh, it's adversarial. It pits one parent against the other. You get caught in a spiral, and you lose perspective. You lose yourself. So uh, what you need to do more than anything else is find something that maintains your balance, maintains your focus on being yourself, uh, you know, for your own sake and actually for your children's sake in the long run. And you were able to get through it okay? It was difficult, but, you know, eventually, uh, yeah, time heals a lot of wounds. So and, true. Uh, I am actually, uh, you know, at this point very uh, involved with my children, and I'm happy to have a good relationship with them. And, you know, lots of things went well, but it was a journey. I can imagine. Well, your book is called Still a Dad. It's available in uh, most bookstores now. It's available in bookstores. You know, if any given bookstore doesn't have it, they have. The, you know, they can order it within a day or two from their wholesaler. It's available in internet bookstores. It's available at divorcedfather.com. And that's your website. Uh, yeah. Divorcedfather.com. Yeah. Okay. So folks can log on and get some advice and information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Very good. I want to thank you for the uh, for the insight. Thanks, Ken. We've been talking to Serge Pringle. He's author of the new book, Still a Dad. It's about how fathers deal with divorce. Sunday Digest. Here's Ken Robinson on WGAR. And stay tuned. We're going to take a look at fatherhood from another perspective now, the perspective of father loss, as Sunday Digest continues on FM 99.5 WGAR. I remember Daddy's hands folded silently Reaching out to hold me when I had a nightmare. You could read quite a story in the calluses and lines. Years of work and worry. 
had left their mark behind I remember daddy's hands How they held my mama tight And patted my back For something done right There are things that I've forgotten That I loved about the man But I'll always remember The love in daddy And our special Father's Day edition of Sunday Digest continues now on WGAR. Joining us in the studio is Neil Chethick. He's author of a brand new book entitled Father Loss. He's a graduate of Northwestern University. And Neil, uh, you did a survey. You examined men who were affected by the deaths of their fathers. Yes, I come at the at the book as a combination of a journalist and also the being a personal story. Not that I've lost my father, my father is actually still alive, mm -hmm. but I was with my father in the couple of days after his father died, and that was about 17 years ago. And he and I went through my grandfather's home right after the death, and for the first time I saw my father cry. And like I say, I was 27, so it had a pretty big impact on me. And also my father and I had a chance to get close during those two days, closer than we'd been before. So I spent about 10 or 15 years not writing about anything along those lines. But then in the late 90s, I started interviewing men about the deaths of their fathers. And I found that there was a, a, a really powerful untold story there. And that's why I pursued it. Mm -hmm. we, we must mention you grew up in Cleveland during your early years. Yes, I did. Formative years. Yes, I did. I was uh, nine years old when I left here and remain an Indians fan and have rekindled my love for the Browns as well. Growing up in Cleveland, did that have an impact on the work that you do regarding father, father loss? Well, my father is a social worker. He was educated at uh, Case Western Reserve, and so I was a little kid at the time. And so I think I learned sort of just by osmosis, I became interested in psychology and how people deal with uh, psychological issues in their lives. Mm -hmm. So my father actually it was very instrumental in helping me with the book. I first of all was a little nervous when I went to him first because I'm going to write a story, you know, book about father loss, and here I am talking to my father, and I was afraid he thought I might be, you know, nudging him a little bit toward the grave or something. But he, <laughs> he didn't respond that way at all. He was very interested in the book, and he helped me as I went through it. I would bring him stories from the interviews that I had had, and he would help give his perspective on it. And so it was really a, a good connecting experience for my father and me. We don't really think a lot about how the death of a father affects a boy, a man, a young man. Yes. What did you find out in the interviews, the many interviews? Was there a common thread uh, that... Does this affect men in certain way, different ways? or Yes, it affects, I mean, I was surprised as you are in one sense that it, a book like this has never been written before. Mm -hmm. You would think since almost every man and boy and or boy goes through this uh, event that at some point there would be a book written about it. But I think people are afraid of men and their emotional side and so they, or they don't know how to 
interview men who, you know, about something very personal. But I had written uh, a column on men's issues. In fact, it was it was a syndicated column that appeared in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, mm -hmm. and that was during the mid-90s. And so I got used to interviewing men. I think, and what I found, of course, is that every man has his own unique relationship with his father, mm -hmm. and in, because of that, has his own unique way of responding to uh, the loss of his father. But there were some common threads, and I, you know, obviously the youngest, those who were in childhood when they lost their fathers, were the most... Uh, permanently affected by it. And often in adulthood, they would have problems that they told me they related to having lost their father young. Even young adults, men in you know the 18 to 30-year-old range, also reacted very strongly because that's a time where we're kind of breaking away from our fathers mm -hmm. and at the same time trying to become equal to them, you know, be a man like they're a man and then get to that point of equality. And if we don't get there with him, we sometimes get stuck in being a young person, you know, in being a young adult. And so even when we get into middle age or older adulthood, we, you know, uh, still feel like a young adult. And I think middle-aged men tend to deal a lot with mortality. When their fathers die, there's no one between them and, quote-unquote, the end of the line. Yeah. And so they look out there and they say, I'm next. And what does that mean in my life? And a lot of men will make changes in their lives at that point. So it does affect men almost universally in a pretty profound way. Now, I, I would have thought that the death of a father would affect older men more than younger men because kids are said to be resilient. It's said that they bounce back you know, pretty quickly from tragedies in life. And, and like you mentioned, the mortality factor, a, a middle-aged guy saying, you know, here's his dad who's always been around and now he's looking, you know, and sees that he's not there and he's saying, wow, geez, this could happen to me. This is going to happen to me. Right. Well, you know, if you think of humans as in almost like as plants, uh, you know, uh, it starts to grow. And if you damage a plant at the very early part of its growth, it will forever carry that damage with it. And so that's kind of what it's like. And also, children don't really understand grief. You know, they don't understand how to grieve. So what they tend to do is bury that and sort of make it through as best they can. Mm -hmm. And it's only in adulthood, maybe 15 or 20 years later, that they begin to really feel the effect of it. A lot of the children who lost fathers in child, I mean, men who lost fathers in childhood had really difficult times with their relationships later in life. They either became very scared that they would lose this person, and so they couldn't really get all the way into a relationship, mm -hmm. or they wouldn't even go close. They would just pull back, and they wouldn't you know, date. They wouldn't get involved with other people because of the fear that they might lose that person. So it kind of comes back in strange ways that don't necessarily look like grief, but it is the result of the loss of their father at a young age. We're talking to Neil Chethik, who's author of the new book, Father Loss, How Sons of All Ages Come to Terms with the Deaths of Their Dads. I'm Ken Robinson on Sunday Digest on WGAR-FM 99.5. In the book, you, you talk to a lot of men, some famous men. You have a, a quotes from famous men who were affected by the deaths of their fathers. Yes. I, I, some of them I talked to, and many of them I just went to the books that were written about them or the articles that were written about them and tried to understand how they dealt with the death. For example, Michael Jordan, uh, he, as we all know, his father was murdered several years ago. It turns out that that 
was the inspiration for him to leave the NBA for a while and become a baseball player. A lot of people don't know that his father had always wanted him to be a baseball player. So after he had won three national championships you know, in the NBA, mm-hmm. he, his father was shot. And three months later, he started uh, his baseball career. And it lasted about a year and a half, which perhaps coincidentally, is about how long it takes for most people to get through a grieving process. And so after that year and a half, he decided to go back to basketball. So I, and, and he's quoted in, in books that, and, and magazine articles, that it was partially the death of his father that inspired him to go there. And while he was a baseball player, he felt very connected to his father. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I look at uh, historical figures and cultural icons as a way of helping people, readers, to uh, relate to the, the, the loss of a father, to relate to the, their own experience to it. Is that pretty common? High achievers, uh, corporate leaders, uh, business leaders, societal leaders tend to channel their grief into other achievements? Yes, I think it has a lot to do with our maleness. We are right from the beginning of our lives told, don't cry. And so we learn that and we often are unable to cry even if we would want to. And so what I think happens with men, what I saw happens in these interviews, was that men channeled it often into action. Michael Jordan is an example. One man I interviewed right after the death, he went into his father's wood shop and got his father's tools and built an urn for his father's ashes. And it was during the building of that and the sanding of the wood and the treating of the wood, he told me that he began to grieve the loss of his father. And so what I often say to men is think of, if if you're not crying, that's perfectly fine. Look for other ways that you can sort of get that grief out of your bodies. Mm-hmm. Something physical, something action-oriented, uh, writing about it, if you want to talk about it. But find somebody who's not going to judge you either or mm-hmm. try to tell you how to grieve. Do a lot of guys like workout? We notice a workout phenomenon. Guys jogging when they get to be a certain age, you know, usually sometimes around the time that their fathers either become ill or pass away. Yes. A lot of men change uh, their lives, especially middle-aged men, at the time that their fathers die. And that's because they see mortality for the first time. You know, it stares them in the face. And so they decide, I don't want to die young. I'm going to go and take care of myself better than my father took care of himself. So you do see a lot of men who begin to eat better, exercise more, and do the things that are healthier for themselves. Mm, that's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And so what do you say to the tough guy whose father is still healthy and alive and, and, and someone who says, well, I'm not going to be affected. I'm going to, you know, death is a fact of life. I'm not going to be affected when my father finally passes away. I say that that person, he might be right. He might not be affected. There were maybe 10 or 15 percent of men who sort of moved right through it. I call these men dashers. They kind of dash through grief. But I also say that you'll be, you may be surprised. Men I talked to who said, you know, I thought this wouldn't be a big deal. I expected him to die. He was ill. He was 75 or 80 suddenly surprise themselves when that man's presence was no longer there. So what I say to men who have their fathers, who still have a chance to sort of create a closure in the relationship, that's 
what you can do is to spend time, extra time with your father. Call him on the telephone and if he's not in town. Ask him about his life. Uh, do things with him. And if he's ill, be there as much as possible to care for him, to say what you need to say. Bottom line is that it's harder to deal with a death if you have a bunch of regrets mm -hmm. and resentments. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to get those taken care of before the death, then it's going to be less difficult to get through the loss period afterwards. We're talking to Neil Chethik. He's author of Father Loss, How Sons of all ages have come to terms with the deaths of their dads. He's a graduate of Northwestern University. He grew up right here in Cleveland. His dad went to Case Western Reserve University. I'm Ken Robinson on WGAR. The show is Sunday Digest. When a man's father dies, that man then becomes the father. It's like he's thrust into a new leadership role. Exactly. How, how does that affect the man? Well, most of the men I found step up. You know, there's a, a stereotype in a way that men don't, know how to grieve, we do it really badly, or we don't do it at all, or we go out and we buy a sports car, and that's going to take care of our problems, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I didn't find that. When, there are certainly cases where you could see men who, be, you know, started to drink heavily or use drugs or do something that would sort of help them escape. But most of the men I talked to came up with ways to move ahead. And often what they did was they took over the role in the family, the patriarch. You know, even if they weren't fathers themselves, that is, they had their own children, they became the leader of the family or one of the leaders of the family. Mm -hmm. And that was a very positive thing for most of them. They looked to their father's memory for how to handle that role, and then they, and then they stepped into that role and did the best they could with it. And that often was a really positive way of healing and making it through the loss. How is the loss of a father different than the loss of a mother on a man? I think the, the big difference is that men and, you know, women have a, a special connection with the same-sex parent. That person is our guide, is our model, often is our mentor, and sometimes is the model of what we don't want to be. But because of the same gender, we look to them for how to be a man. And so we have a stronger identification. Now, I'm not saying that men don't have very powerful reactions to the deaths of their mothers. They do. But the death of a father, especially when it comes to the mortality issue, uh, is different. Because when your mother dies, if you've still got your father, he's still kind of the protector, the one who's standing between you and death. But if your father dies, your mother usually doesn't take that role. So we... We, we want certain things from our fathers, just like women want and need certain things from their mothers. And so when that same-sex parent dies, we have uh, a struggle to move into the role that they left behind. Men that are grieving now, a man who maybe has recently lost his father and has, has trouble coping, how do you cope? What do you do to get through the uh, recovery process? Well, I think the first thing that I suggest to men is that they trust themselves. You may cry, you may not cry. You may feel really deeply, you may not feel at all. You may want to work or you may want to go into hiding. What I suggest is whatever you do in the first weeks, let that be. Go with your instinct. Then look two, three, four months down the road. If you're still depressed or if you're 
if your relationship with your wife or partner or kids is getting worse, if your work life is declining, uh, then start to look at uh, the idea that you might be stuck or you might be going in the wrong direction. And then I think what was really interesting to me is that one of the things uh, well, a couple things you can do. One, one is to look for ways to connect with the memory of your father. Sometimes we want to ignore that. We don't want to look at his pictures. We don't want to look at his box of mementos. We don't want to think about it. But I found that though, even though it's difficult to do that, by doing it, we tend to move through. We release some of the grief energy that we have inside of us. And so trying to find ways that we can connect in unique ways. Great words of advice. We really... Uh Appreciate you stopping by our studios to, to talk to us about this, a topic that uh, affects uh, every man, but we never really heard about it until now. Yes, thank you very much. Great book. And you have a website as well, right? Yes, it's, a, it's the book title, www.fatherloss. It's one word, fatherloss.com. Neil Chethick, author of Father Loss. And that's our show for today. Hope you have a great Father's Day. We'll see you next week right here on Sunday Digest. This has been Sunday Digest with WGAR's Ken Robinson, a public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR, its staff and management. Join us next week for another edition of Sunday Digest. Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t-shirt. Nobody won't bring you happiness, but we know we will. Come on now, smile, get happy. Order your t-shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store.